Hey y'all, it's Kiara, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of For Realness Sake. It's April 1st, and we are back in action. It has been a wild two months, and I definitely miss posting here. This episode was recorded during Black History Month, and I'm excited to share it with you. Y'all have to meet entrepreneur Aisha Taylor. Aisha is the definition of a boss, okay? She helps single moms grow their faith and walk in their finances so that they can reclaim their time and live in their true freedom. Aisha walked us through her story of how she turned her ideas into income. She mentioned things like self-doubt, finding herself again, financial woes, and even workplace bullying. Let me tell you, God has a way of spinning us around to put us back on track. I am so grateful for this conversation. Catch these gems with Aisha and be sure to follow her on Instagram. I posted it in the link below. Thank y'all. See you on the next one. Hi, Aisha. So nice to see you again. Hi, hi, hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for wanting to come on the show. I always love when people reach out for that because I'm like, wait a minute, y'all listen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Introduce yourself to the folks. Well, hey everyone. My name is Aisha Taylor, and I help single moms to create their exit strategies from corporate by turning their ideas into income. And so, really, what I do, and for a long story short, is I help single moms to be able to walk in purpose and understand that God has a purpose and a plan for them, and to be able to help them to be able to identify those things that God has gifted with them with, so that way they can walk in purpose and really live out the things that God has called them to do in their life because sometimes people can just get so caught up between like what we're supposed to do where we're supposed to be or things that we need to do just because we have to get things done right we have real bills and so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to be able to take that step back to be able to ask what am I supposed to be doing who am I supposed to be what is it that God created me to do and so I help them to be able to identify what that is and then give them the tools and the techniques and the strategies to be able to actually walk in those things that God has created them to do I love that I mean you're right we got real bills out here okay so that's (laughs) first and foremost so we can do something that we're passionate about, that's also making us a coin, um, sign me up, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is a, this is a very unique field that you're in, a really nice niche, right? Very mm-hmm. specific. So how does, how does one get started in something like this? Tell us how this became your passion and purpose. So it's funny that you asked that because it was kind of like, you know, that wine he wrote. I don't know if you've ever heard Steve Jobs in that famous graduation speech, he said, where you can only connect the dots looking backwards, but not forwards. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I remember, so when I was in corporate, so I have an MBA in finance. I have an economics undergrad degree. Literally, I got all the degrees, right? I have you know, a bit, an MBA in finance a master's of health services administration, an undergraduate degree in economics, an undergraduate degree in public policy, and a random minor in chemistry. So can we say I love school? (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) So so I ended 
up being fortunate enough to get a job in my field. So I was working in corporate finance. And so I was in corporate finance when I first started working there. I really loved it. Had some amazing opportunities, worked on some great projects. I remember I had one project where I took a department that was losing $100 million a year and restructured it and created the strategy to help it start earning $30 million per year. So I had like an awesome job in corporate finance. But then the job that I worked for went through some restructuring itself and went through some management changes. And then all of a sudden, my dream job became a nightmare for me. And so it got to the point where I was having panic attacks at 7 p.m. on Sunday night at the thought of having to go to work in the morning at a 45-minute commute each way. And I was having anxiety attacks in the car on my way to work at the thought of having to go to work in the morning because it was, it was very toxic because I was dealing with workplace bullying. And so for me, starting a business, I started it out of necessity because my job was breaking me down emotionally so bad that I started to question my skills. I started to question my self-worth. I started to question everything that I knew about myself to be true. I'm like, am I really as smart as I am? Uh, am I as talented as I think that I was? So I started a business to be able to prove to myself that I was who I thought I was. Mm. And so really for me, that ended up turning into more than just proving to myself that I was who I thought I was. It turned into ultimately my exit strategy from corporate because um, I started a personal finance brand because I just wanted to learn how to manage my money better because I realized that how I managed my money was linked to how I felt about myself and how well I knew myself. And so for me, learning how to manage my money better became a quest also of self-discovery and self-love. And then I was learning so much and I just started to share what I was learning via a blog. And I remember I stopped blogging and people started to email me and message me like, well, when are you going to post a new blog? I'm like, I'll watch yo, you read this? <laughs> you realize you're reading this. And I was just like, okay, Lord, I just, this, we're on to something here. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept going once I realized that people cared and they needed the information. And so as I learned more about my finances, I was able to share more with other people. And then it turned into me getting featured at Essence, Black Enterprise, Jet, um, blog, like so many different opportunities started to rise just from something I did out of necessity to make myself feel better about mm-hmm. the situation that I was in. And so it got to the point where I was able to build up what I was doing. And ultimately, when my doctor told me to go on FMLA or quit for my mental health and my physical health, I was like, (laughs) 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 because of my, my hobby became my main thing. And so for me, it became, it was so beautiful because once I quit my job, I ended up, and it's like some more stuff in between, you know, uh, I was just summarizing it, but I was able to quit my job. And then a couple of months after I quit my job, I got pregnant as a single mom. So I'm sitting here like, Jesus, um, because you had told me about this whole healthcare situation (laughs) before I got pregnant. Like, what are we doing here? And I'm like, if you could, you have told me in advance because I would have stayed. Like, I would have quit the job. (laughs) I need the benefits, Lord. Right, benefits, Lord. (laughs) But he was like, well, that is why I didn't tell you. But, but it just, um, it just became like a beautiful journey. And so what I realized is that 
a lot of the things that I knew and that I was teaching women in terms of personal finances, a lot the information that I had been teaching was solid, right? It was solid. But in how you apply it as a single woman with no kids is different than as a single mom. And I realized that even though I was the one teaching and training people about personal finances, I began struggling because I had to now make that advice for a single woman with no kids work for a single mom with a set of twins. Mm, And so for me, I had to go on another discovery of self, another healing journey for myself um, to be able to get to the point where I was healthy and I was whole and I can show up for myself and my kids. And eventually what I ended up doing was putting down my business and just being a stay-at-home mom for three years, just because I needed to pour back into myself because I was just trying to keep up appearances, keep up a smile because that's what I was supposed to do. Act like I had it all together because I was the quote unquote expert. And really I was struggling. I was really struggling with that transition from being on top, you know, having it all with a six figure salary, being able to do whatever I wanted to do financially to, you know, having someone that I cared about walk out of my life and my whole life kind of upended like overnight. And so I really never gave myself space to heal. And so I allow myself to be able to just feel what I felt. I allow myself to just be there. And ultimately what I realized in my healing journey is that number one, money management for single moms is different than just your traditional, you know, expertise, experts and everything, because it it looks different when it's just on you, right? Uh, Especially if you're someone who doesn't have child support either. So it's legit just on you. Um, But then I also had to struggle with who am I? Because everything that I thought that I knew about myself had changed. I felt like a failure because he walked out. I blamed myself for a lot of things. I questioned how my kids would thrive. And so it really impacted how I showed up on a day-to-day basis. But then as I was at home, I started to see that I'm able to have these moments with my kids. I'm able to see their first steps. I'm able to hear their first words. I'm able to see their little smiles and do go through all of those moments with them that most people miss when their kids are in childcare. I was able to see that. And so as I talked to different moms, so many moms were just working out of necessity. They were working because they did not know what they were supposed to do. They went to school for that. They went to college for that. That's all they knew. And they never had a chance to really step back and say, who am I? Or what is it that I want? Especially as a single mom, when you have the full responsibility for your household on top of that. And so what the Lord began to show me was that, yes, you're coming to help these moms create an exit strategy from corporate by turning their ideas into income. But number one, they need to have permission to dream again. They need to learn that God still has a purpose and plan for them. They need to know that God still loves them. Because when you go through major life challenging, altering situations, sometimes you can question where is God in the midst of it. You can get so caught up with doing what you're doing on a day-to-day basis because you have to, that you don't get that space to sit back and think, oh, okay, God had a purpose and plan for me before I was put in my mother's role, before I had kids, before all of that. 
So what is it that God wants me to do on this earth in addition to raising and shaping my kids for the Lord? And so he just started to show me that it's just so much to just ideas to income and walking in purpose. It's about developing your faith again, learning how to trust God again, and to really being able to have the confidence to do the things and the work that he has called you to do. Wow, that is beautiful. Honestly, you said a few things that uh, stood out to me. I want you to expand a little bit on the workplace bullying, because I think when I think about workplace bullying and the, and the workplace bullying, the school bullying, all the bullying that I've experienced in my life, um, it feels very covert, right? It's never mm-hmm. just in your face, open, boom, we don't like you type deal. And so I know that, you know, you and I cannot be the only people who've ever experienced something like that. So can you tell us a little bit about what that was for you? Just so if anybody else is experiencing that and they don't know, girl, this might be your sign to get out of there. (laughs) Yeah, for me. So it was interesting. It was pretty covert because and it was and it was devastating really it truly was because you know how it is when somebody you you think likes you if you have a good relationship with all of a sudden you feel like they can't stand you learn that they can't stand you and the whole time they've just been smiling in your face like that's how it was with me so I had people who I had great relationships with people at work who were Facebook friends with me who when I started a business started to report my Facebook page activity to my upper level management I started to business and they started to literally go to management and say Aisha has a business does she report it because in my job, you had like this um, conflict of interest disclosure and everything. And so I guess you're supposed to put if you have a business, but my business didn't compete. Like I worked in corporate finance. I did restructuring and strategic planning. I managed a $1 billion purchasing budget that has nothing to do with personal finances. Mm-hmm. But what people started to do, people who I trusted started to try and get me fired. And I would say, oh, Aisha's doing work on workplace hours. Um, I was not. <laughs> I had scheduled wow. my tweets to go out during cer- certain times of the day. And then I started to have management monitoring my Twitter feed. And I remember getting called in and said, hi, it's been brought to our attention that you have a business. We need you to disclose it. And it's come to our attention that you're tweeting during business hours. I'm like, I'm not tweeting during business hours. It's pre-scheduled. Mm-hmm. And so it was just ridiculous that, that those were people who I trusted. But as soon as the management changes happened, they took off the mask because I was I came into a job where you know people got promoted based upon seniority, but I was a new person there and I was getting all the cool projects. And mm-hmm. so there had been some jealousy issues there where people felt like I caught the line. And so once the people who were really giving me those opportunities left, the people who felt like they were being passed over because of me started to try and sabotage my work. Um, I remember being in a staff meeting and the direct, the executive director of the department threw paper at me in the middle of the staff meeting. Um, Yes, I had um, in my role as a finance person for that business unit, I was supposed to be a part of all the decisions. And what happened was is the the team started to have meetings and exclude me intentionally and then tell my boss to say I skipped the meeting even though I knew nothing about it and so wow. once I realized what was happening I started to just show up because the people the one guy who was in charge of it his desk was right in front of mine 
And so I just started to show up. I would hear something about what I was supposed to be working on. I would pull up a chair and sit down and be like, hey, just wanted to invite myself to the meeting to make sure I know what's going on and how to best support you. So what he started to do was to have meetings and conference rooms on the other side of the department. Wow. So I couldn't even see that he was in a, in a, um, in a meeting that I was supposed to be in. And so it got to the point they were lying and saying that I was not showing up to work. HR showed up and said they needed to check my swipes to make sure I was coming into work. And I was coming what? into, it was, it was crazy. And the HR was like, oh yeah, you are coming into work. They told us that you're not. And finally I kept reporting to HR what was happening. And HR, she was a woman. My HR manager said, stop acting like a child and suck it up. <gasps> Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, like so I that can was see where, I can see where the anxiety and thing comes in. If if you're literally dealing with that, that is that I think that's more that's more overt at that point because they've pretty much rallied against you. Yeah, and it started. It was oh, it was very overt, but it started off with like those covert operations, the spying mm-hmm. and everything. And I didn't, it got to the point where I didn't know who was for me and who was against me. So oh, I, wow. I had to be on guard with all of my interactions with everybody because I had no idea who was the one sabotaging. Mm-hmm. I did not know. Mm-hmm. And then I ultimately found out that it was somebody who I had been close to at my job, wow. who was, um, who was a big part of it. And it was, it was just a terrible experience. I remember going to the bathroom. There were times that I would go to the bathroom and just cry in the middle of the day because of everything that I had going on. Um, and I remember walking back from the bathroom and walking back to my, walking back to my cubicle. And one of the directors was running out of my cubicle. It was just like, oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, yeah. Like was in there going through my stuff. When oh I was my in the gosh. It was straight harassment. This? That is crazy. Just straight oh, harassment uh, on an everyday wow. basis. Like that's what I had to go through to get paid. And there was one particular point in time where two people showed up at my cubicle and just started to scream at me. And I remember like grabbing my purse and like getting about this far off my seat. And then all of a sudden this voice inside my head was like, if you walk out today, how are you going to pay your bills? Mm. And I was just, I sat down and I just vowed to never be in that situation again. I was never going to pay my self-respect and dignity for a paycheck. I didn't care how much it was. I'm like, this Mm. is not worth my mental health. This is not worth training my self-respect for this is crazy and so for me that's when I really decided to lean in I wrote a book during this time and I'm just like you know what I'm just gonna go all out for my goals and my dreams because I deserve better than this absolutely you did and I'm so glad that you woke up to that fact because so many people kind of sit there for those reasons not knowing what else they can do having limited understanding having limited education on, you know, and are not having those other avenues to make money. And so the fact that you have this business now to teach other women what to do and how to do it so that they don't have to be subjected to these sorts of situations is beautiful. I am like, my, when you were telling your story, I was literally getting mad. I'm like, I cannot believe that this is happening. <laughs> what? Ah, my God. I'm so glad that you made it through that. Something else that you mentioned was, was you said that you had to learn 
who you were again. And I think that in life, we go through so many transitions from being a teenager to, you know, a young adult to a grown woman, then a mom, a wife, whatever, and losing yourself along the way in those different things. So Mm -hmm. how did you get back to you? What did it take for you to find out who you are again? So it's funny because I had to do that multiple times. Mm -hmm. So I was in my late 20s. I, when I was drawing through the whole, trying to figure out how to manage my money better, that was a phase where I had to figure myself out because when I was 12, I got teased from wearing not name brand shoes and not name brand clothes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that I took that my 12-year-old brain processed it like, well, in order to not be teased, you have to fit in and you have to do what everyone else does. You can't be different. Otherwise, you open yourself up to being teased. And so I just decided to fit in. Whatever the room was, that was me. Whatever was in style, that was me. Whoever people thought that I should be, that was me. That was like a protective coping mechanism for me to just not be teased. And so it got to the point where I didn't know who I was anymore. And I was spending my money according to other expe- other people's expectations for who they thought that I should be. And, I, and it got to the point where I got very good at knowing exactly how much I should charge before my credit card got denied. But I remember going out to restaurants. I would always feel like mm-hmm. until, until it came back because I was terrified that my car would get tonight. And so I just couldn't take that anymore. I just could not live like that anymore. And I just said, you know what? I just felt like I wasn't me. Um, I just had no idea who I was. And so I ended up taking a step back from the party scene. I took a step back from all the restaurants that I was going to, just everything I was doing just to be able to just hang out and be with friends because I just was afraid to turn down an invitation because in my mind, if I turned down one invitation, my friends would never invite me anywhere again. Mm -hmm. And I just needed that information to feel whole because I was still trying to fill that void of, you know, that experience of being teased. And so for me, I ended up just withdrawing from everything and just saying, you know what, I just want to figure out me. And so during the time, you can tell how long ago this was. I remember I started binge watching 24. I binge watched Lost was already (laughs) off, but I got the whole series of Lost and I binge watched Lost. I started binge watching like all of these different movies, all of these things that people might think were like weird or nerdy and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, like the Twilight (laughs) series. And then there was like another one, (laughs) but like all of these, I was just like, people are going to think that I'm a nerd for doing this. I just nerded out pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) And so read books and just did things that I enjoyed rather than always being out, um, and or just working so just did stuff for me until I got confident in my own voice again and then I finally decided to just come out of that shell and I just felt like a different person I knew who I was and I was okay with saying no I was okay with doing things that I wanted to do I was okay with pursuing the dreams that God placed on my heart like I was okay with that and I didn't need somebody to tell me who I was and so as a mom Uh, As a single mom, it it was interesting because that one looked a little bit different because at that point, you know, I'm around my kids, I'm around my family a lot, but really I was still isolated. Um, I ended up moving um, from where I was living at the time where I gave birth and where I've been living for a while. I ended up moving and to be closer to family. 
And so for me, it became this isolation point where I really went through a point in time where I did not have very many friends. It was literally me, my parents, and my kids. And that was it. And my sisters, when they would come visit. But I ended up feeling very alone. At first, it felt protective because I went through some teasing because my friends were, some of my friends were making fun of me for being a single mom. And so. Friends don't sound like friends. (laughs) No, definitely not. And so that betrayal right there. So that betrayal on top of the betrayal from their dad, like it was just a lot. So I really wanted to withdraw. I didn't want to be around people, but the Lord blessed that time because sometimes he does his best work on us in that period of isolation at the cone phase. And so I've learned more about him. I learned more about who I was in Christ because before the first time, it was all about me. Who am I? What do I like to do? The second time was who is Christ? Who is God? Who is he? And by it's her learning more about him, diving deeper into him, I started to learn what he said about me. And it allowed me to really be strengthened in a way that I had never been strengthened before. I began to lean more into him. I began to chase and crave him more. And so to the point where literally just the only thing I did was be with family or go to church. And that was just what I did. I just had this longing and this thirst for the Lord. And then I started to teach the word of the Lord to people just online. Because I'm like, I want you to know about this God that I serve, who is so amazing, who's restoring my hope, who's restoring my dreams, who's restoring my purpose, who's restoring me. I want you to know that because if he can give me hope in the middle of the storm, then I know he can give you hope as well. Because like, like when I tell you that when I became a fight, uh, um, a single mom, it was a total financial shock for me total financial shock. It was like, I was at one level in my finances and then it felt like overnight it was all gone just because I went through a period of time where I couldn't work because I had to pour into my mental health and like my savings, everything was gone between expenses. And so for me to be someone who went from a six-figure job, who didn't really have to stress about anything to having a severe financial shock and having to figure it out that nearly crushed my self-esteem. I was just like, who are you if you don't have your money? Who are you? And I'm just like, and I'm looking because my parents are married. They've been married for almost 40 years. I'm like, wow, your parents are married for 40 years. You couldn't even get married. Like, you know, all of those things Mm -hmm. that where I just started to really attack myself. And I didn't need somebody to attack my character. I was doing it myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, and so in that, when the Lord started to minister to me about who I am and who he is, most importantly, who he is and who I am in him. That's when I started to have peace. And so when I came out of my cocoon, the Lord was very clear. You're going to minister to single moms because there are so many people just like me. So many people who had, you know, who checked all the boxes, was living the dream that we're taught that we should have only for all of it to come crumbling down on them. And you get to this point where you have to rebuild from the ground up. And even if somebody has not left the job or experienced the financial shock, like it is, like you, like I did, you still have to rebuild who you are when you experience heartbreak, when you experience a total life altering change, you still have to rebuild yourself. Because for me, it was so easy to throw myself into motherhood. 
I just wanted to throw myself into motherhood and, you know, just be the best mom that I could be. But I didn't realize in doing that, I was neglecting me. I was using my kids to fill a void that I had. And I had to get to the point where I was solid because I know that if I want to raise solid kids who are whole and complete lacking nothing, I had to be whole and complete lacking nothing. And so that's what the Lord was really revealing to me that, you know, if I'm going to teach these moms to turn their ideas into income and exit corporate, they need to be able to build on solid ground. Like you can't do that if you don't have trust in the Lord. You can't do that if you don't hear him. You can't hear it, do that if you don't even know who you are. So he was just like, you got to back it all up and just continue to let these moms know that he loves them. And he, God has a purpose and plan for them. And God will never leave them or forsake them. Ooh, that's beautiful. You, you went through a few different changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that speaks towards growth as women in general. We, we, I always say I am not the same person that I was at 18 that I am at 30. Thankfully, right? Because some people maybe don't grow. Which is so (laughs) bad. We go pray for them. But it's true. Like having to make those sorts of transitions and being mindful that it's not just for you, that it's for your kids as well. I think that that takes a lot of maturity, a lot of humbleness, a lot of growth and a lot of grace. And so I applaud you for pulling yourself out the mud, you know, and and getting it done. What is your passion now as far as the women, as far as the single women, what have you found to be the reoccurring message that you give them? (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) I was literally in prayer, like, over the last couple of weeks, I'm like, Lord, I thought I was supposed to be doing this, right? <laughs> but like the recurrent message and recurrent thing, which I I tried to run away from. Like, it's so funny. I actually pulled a whole Jonah on this whole minister and a single mom thing. I was like, I hear you, Lord, but I'm going to do this, right? <laughs> he was just like, yeah, no, I see you running and you're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't, gotta, I don't need to go in the belly of a whale to get it. Okay, I got Please. it. Please. <laughs> don't want to do that that's not fun it sucks when you have to go through that I've learned to just listen because <laughs> yes. no, no, no. easy way or the hard way you choose but you're going either way but I'm like I think easy for 5,000 Alex <laughs> <Thank you. Yes. laughs> so, but um the recurrent message is God loves you God has a purpose and plan for you and mm. God has never forsaken you and he will never leave you or forsake you and I literally find myself saying some iteration of this almost every day whether it's in teaching a bible study to single moms whether it's on social media whether it is in discussion with somebody face to face it's like God loves you God has a purpose and plan for you and he will never leave you or forsake you so you can trust Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that's what I just find myself saying. And it's so funny because I'm like, Lord, you told me idea to income help the Mexican corporate. He's just like, I know. They need to know that first. <laughs> For anything else. For anything else. Oh wow. I love that. I, I I I'm just, I don't know. I think I'm just feeling the feels because when you talk about empowering women, I, I'm I'm one of those women where I'm going for everybody black. What did Issa Rae said? I'm I'm rooting for everyone black. That's kind of like that's how I feel. And so mm-hmm. to see a black woman and imp- pouring into other women, 
Um, I just think that it's, it's the bomb to me. It is just, it gives me goosebumps just to hear other women walking in their purpose. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that with us. What is the one lesson out of everything that you've learned and all the pivots that you've made in your life? What is that one lesson that remains true to you to this day? The biggest lesson is that God is real. Mm, God yeah. is real. Uh, and that he cares and that he loves he loves us tremendously. That is the one thing. And then the other thing with God is real. I think sometimes I really identify with Job a lot mm-hmm. because when we go through hard times, we go through storms and trials and you can't tell what's up and what's down, what's left and what's right. Sometimes it's hard to see God when you can't trace him. But I've learned that he is so real. And even when I don't feel like I can trace him, he's still there. And that is the thing that sustains me. That's the thing that keeps me going. And um, like during the times I just wanted to give up, during the times where I didn't think I could take another step forward, God just lovingly revealed more of himself to me and continued to give me hope. And so it's, it's just interesting that that's the one thread that I learned through my entire life. And I've had Job moments when I'm like, Lord, where are you? Mm-hmm. If you're real, how, how could this happen? If you're real, how is this so much of a struggle? If, this, if you're real, how did this happen? And, but even with that, God is real and he's there. And what I've learned is we don't understand and when we're hurting he can take the questions because sometimes I think that we we can be so churchified right that we feel Mm -hmm. like we can't come to the Lord with our hurt our pain our sorrows our struggles but what type of relationship is that like I'm not married but I can't imagine being married and not feeling like I can go to my husband with that Like, what type of marriage would that be? You know, if I'm hurting and I have a best friend, I should be able to go to my best friend and be like, look, I'm hurting. Can you pray for me, please? Mm -hmm. But we don't want to do that with God. We want to sit up there and act like everything is okay. Because for whatever reason, we don't think that we can come to him with with our brokenness. But I realized that God is so real. And he doesn't want us to hide pieces and parts for us. He wants us holy our whole selves to bring the ugliness to him he sees it we can't hide from him there is no place where we can go do we can hide from the lord so why not take all of everything and lay it at his feet because he is real he hears you he cares about your christ he cares about your concerns he cares about your success he cares about your wins he's real and i've learned to literally talk to him like I'm talking to you right now. At first I was like, if somebody hear me go, like, I'll think I'm crazy, but I don't care. Like I'm talking <laughs> to the Lord as if he is like my father, my best friend, my husband, mm-hmm. because yeah. he is that real in my life. Whew, that was a word on the low for real. Like I felt that a hundred percent. And I think that when you, get placed in situations where you have nothing else right that like what else what else can I take at this point um I think that's when it when God feels real when God shows up 
And I can think of many situations in my life. In hindsight, when I was going through it, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is something that's happening. But looking in hindsight and saying that, and that was nobody but God, I would not have made it to this point, you know, if I didn't have that grace and that mercy and that understanding. And so I think that it's beautiful for you to to bring that up. And I guess beautiful is my word today for you because (laughs) I've said it like a thousand times, but it's true. I, I can really identify with that. And I know that other people can too, where, you know, even when you feel like it's not enough or you're not enough or you're inadequate in any way, you just show up anyways, you know, God got the rest. You'll make it work with the rest. And so I really, truly appreciate you coming on here and talking to us about this. I am like, yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and play some gospel music after this, okay? <laughs> and get my little praise and worship on because that was a word for me. Um, tell us where we can find you. Where? What's your Instagram? What's your website? So people can look you up. Yes, so you can find me on Instagram at FN Phenomenal. So F is in family, N is in Nancy, P H E N O M E N A L. So at FN Phenomenal on Instagram. I am on online. My website is www.fnphenomenal.com. I have a, I do clubhouse chats in the Phenomenal Moms Club on Clubhouse. I also have a Facebook group called Phenomenal Moms. <laughs> on Facebook, as well as you can also head to myideatoincome.com. So my idea to income is just a place where I keep a running list of everything that I have going on. Mm. How you can connect with me, what classes I'm teaching, what Bible studies I'm teaching. So yeah, so I'm all over. I love that idea to income. I'm definitely going to check that out. Give me some extra coins in my pocket too, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Aisha, so much for joining us. Y'all, thanks for tuning in to another episode. I'll see you on the next one.